Welcome to Working Mom Hour. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Working Mom Hour. I'm Erica. And I'm Madeline. We're working moms, business partners, and friends with kids at different ages and stages. We know moms tend to get more done in an hour than the average human, yet are often misunderstood and underappreciated in the workplace. We are here to shine a light on the working mom experience to help ourselves and others step into and advocate for the superpower. We are not experts. We're two women who have been there and are still there, kids, clients, and all. Join us as we cultivate more joy in working motherhood at the corner of calm and chaos. Welcome back to Working Mom Hour. I'm here with Mads and Marla again today. Hi, Marla. Hi. Good to be back. So as we continue to consider the working mom experience, we've begun to notice a shift happening. Yes. The future of work is not simply considerations about our physical setup and workflows. There's an alteration in what we are needing from each other and from our leaders in the workplace. And the other week we talked on our tech and well-being episode about a shift in digital to consider the human experience holistically rather than simply designing for an end user or an end consumer. And we see an opportunity to design the workplace to support the whole person. The human brain is hardwired for empathy, and we believe that women, specifically mothers, have the qualities to lead that charge in this new era of leadership. That's right. And empathy is a skill of connecting with others to identify and understand their thoughts, perspectives, and emotions, and demonstrating an understanding with intention, care, and concern. And it's a quality that many female leaders naturally possess, and particularly mothers. We've talked in the past about how 89% of American workers agree that moms in leadership positions bring out the best in employees as compared with working fathers or employees without children. And they also believe mothers are better listeners and calmer when it comes to a crisis. Yet the same study found that 72% of working moms and dads agree that when women begin families, They're penalized at work, and yet the same isn't true for working dads. 60% of those surveyed also said leadership opportunities are given to less qualified employees rather than their counterparts who happen to be moms, which is ridiculous. (laughs) EY Consulting released a new empathy and business survey which tracks how empathy affects leaders, employees, and innovation in the workplace. It shows that 90% of US workers believe that empathic leadership leads to higher job satisfaction 88% felt that it creates loyalty among employees, and 79% agree it decreases employee turnover. According to another study from Catalyst, leaders who show empathy drive both employee engagement and innovation. Right. And it's worth acknowledging the employment landscape right now. So Gallup shows that nearly half, 48% of employees, are actively looking to make a change Personio research tells us that one in four will do so in the next six months. So businesses are frantically backfilling and hiring for growth. However, according to a recent Harvard Business Review article, the best way to stabilize will be to increase retention. To be tone deaf to the human experience in your workplace is to be 
irrelevant as an employer. Yeah, exactly. The common human experience in the workplace right now really is quite different than even a year ago. People are feeling tech angst from relying on technology to live, work, and play, yet are plagued by the idea of excessive screen time. And I know that's something as mothers we're feeling as well, particularly when our children were remote learning. Employees are craving human touch and human interaction, proving that tech can only go so far. We saw the world, rather than wishing we could lounge around and scroll on our phones, wanting human-based experiences in the height of lockdown. And we've shifted from being coworkers sitting next to each other on neutral ground in an office space to being on virtual calls taken from within each other's homes, bedrooms even, with their family members, kids, and pets present. And we are all caregiving. We're grieving losses. We're having tech issues. We're skipping the shower. In many ways, there are reasons to feel even closer to one another. And we are all showing up as more human. Yeah, I think the pandemic really shed on light and like we all have a bed to go home to. And I think it's kind of cool to show the other side of work, which is rest. And that's still a part of you as a human, which leaders really need to take into an account. Christine said something on the podcast that we recorded with her about rest being a social justice issue, that mm-hmm. having the ability to provide space for rest is important. I can't remember exactly the context, but I thought that was very enlightening. Right. Because I think it was glorified at one point, you know, we're rewatching episodes of The Office, which is highly inappropriate to watch with your children, by the way. (laughs) Um, Highly inappropriate. However, (laughs) it's been a very interesting process to go through with our kiddos because The Office Mm -hmm. is you know, 15 years ago, sort of made fun of culture. And there was an episode we were Mm -hmm. watching over the weekend where one of the characters, Dwight, they were out on a sales meeting. And he's basically like, I don't take a vacation. I'm available 24 seven. Here's my cell phone. Here's my work line. Here's my home line. And they were demonstrating how they were always on and always Mm -hmm. available. Mm -hmm. And that was an that was a competitive advantage that ended up winning them the sale. Mm -hmm. And then to look today, we're seeing a dramatic shift to how people value their rest and their time away Mm -hmm. from work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The office, when I watched it when I was in high school, I just thought it was funny. And then as I've gotten older, I'm like, whoa, this hits a little bit differently. You should, if you haven't watched it in 15 years, even watch the first couple episodes again it's almost uncomfortable. And you know, they were pushing those boundaries and those lines on purpose to shine a light on everything that was wrong in a workplace. But the way they talked to women in the office and treated women Mm -hmm. in the office, there's a ton of episodes that focus on how they treat moms in the office. It's it's very Mm -hmm. interesting to rewatch 15 years later to actually see how far we've come and still how far we have to go. Well, we were talking about how the pandemic has kind of shined a light on our humanity in the office. So feeling truly seen and supported by your employer is something totally different. It's almost as if there's no excuse today to not connect with your people. Studies are showing right now that supporting your people with empathy and compassion, not just in their workplace, but in their personal lives as well, can enable them to have significantly healthier lives, both physically and mentally, and perform at higher levels. Today's employers, they have to go further to normalize mental health challenges to reduce the stigma and increase 
the utilization of available resources. We know that employee assistance programs are historically underutilized. Big reason that people are unaware of the benefit or how to use it. And right now, unaddressed mental health issues have driven up healthcare costs by 300%. So normalizing discussions about mental health can go a very long way in the workplace. And I know here we talk about therapy all of the time. We do. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And helping to manage professional and personal struggles experienced is being shown to result in significant improvements in employee physical and mental health, quality of life, and productivity. And the real truth of the matter is that your people today want real. They want transparent. They don't want polished. Real is honest and trustworthy and relatable. Polished can come off as disconnected and impersonal. And I think a lot of leaders are simply afraid of the unknown or not knowing the answers or being vulnerable for those reasons. I get that. What happens, though, is that by avoiding that vulnerability, it's the facade and it trickles down. And soon everybody's putting in the extra energy to look good working rather than to do good work. To be vulnerable all the time mm -hmm. is to be living all the time. We're humans and we are human. Oh, I love that. A 2021 analysis by S&P Global with researchers from the University of Paris found that female CEOs illustrated greater empathy, adaptability, and diversity more frequently than male peers. Leaders who possess qualities like intuition, compromise, and compassion previously may have been viewed, I'd say likely, would have been viewed as soft, but are now seen as increasingly necessary qualities in the workplace. And today's female leaders tend to use an empathetic style to influence others and to build trust, which in turn tends to produce productive and effective teams. No surprise there, I don't think, but... <laughs> How powerful is that, that we went through our early careers trying to possess qualities of men? Right. I feel like it's why my voice is so monotone because oh. I was scared all the time, you know, presenting to boardrooms full of men right. that it is very interesting. Yeah. And it didn't come off as authentic no. or relatable. Yeah. It just, you know, came off probably is a little bitchy, bitchy? because we were yeah because we were, <laughs> yes. we were trying to to suppress the parts of us that made us actually really Human. fucking amazing leaders yes um, yeah mm -hmm. yes. yes very interesting i recently learned this concept of decision versus choice a decision includes weighing the facts and basing it off that, whereas a choice is just that. It's a choice. And mm -hmm. like we are the authors of creating that possibility. And while I think we're often forced to make quote unquote decisions in the workplace, I think that a more natural state for women is to weigh the facts and then just make a choice based on gut feeling, not necessarily a decision. So to me, that is empathic leadership. But to get there, we need to create a culture of trusting our female leaders' choices so that we're not always feeling like we have to prove the reasoning or prove our, ourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks are scared to admit that a lot of decisions in the workplace are made based off of choices. It's like, I don't know if this creative design is going to attract the audience in the way you know that I hope that it does, but I made the choice because there's that gut feeling of like, this is it. This is, this is the one we need to push forward. And sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't, but that choice should never be questioned. You know, it's like, it's, there's always a reason there. Yeah. Um, it's like a, an illusion of certainty in the workplace. No one really 
fucking ever knows. We can have all the data in the world and can't predict things. Life would look a lot differently if we could predict everything. So learning to trust our gut, even once we've gathered all the facts, I think can be can be very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then I remind myself when my anxiety gets the best of me, I would love to control the future, but then there's no fun. Then there's no element of surprise. And then, like, then we that's know. The, then that's, that's, right. that's the best part about life. Do you want to know about your surprise party that's happening? Like sometimes. I feel like Erica would want to. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Like, yes, do I want to know if I should wear a dress, have my nails done? Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> Anywho, the Catalyst study that we've been referencing, it not only showed that empathic leaders have more innovative and productive teams, but they're also more likely to retain talent, which is pretty powerful. And I'd like to share a few additional findings on empathic leadership specifically. Empathy is a force for productivity, life work integration, and positive work experiences. Employees with empathic managers and leaders are more innovative and engaged in their work. Empathic leaders respect employee life circumstances, support both life and work needs, and foster inclusion compared to less empathic leaders. Women of color with highly empathic senior leaders were less likely to report high levels of general workplace burnout than those with less empathic senior leaders. And this is also interesting going off of that, is that women of color with highly empathic senior leaders were less likely to report intending to leave their organization than those with less empathic senior leaders. So retention is a huge common thread throughout all of these. It's care about your employees' emotions and what their week looks like. Yes. About these life's twists and turns that come up and, you know, that's how you keep employees because, you know, they're going to be there for you to celebrate your victories and also, you know, honor your tragedies too. You never forget the way someone makes you feel. You might Mm -hmm. forget what was said or the details, but you will never forget that feeling. Right. Also, the 2019 S&P Global Market Intelligence Study found that firms with female CEOs and CFOs produced superior stock price performance. The study highlighted positive stock price, profitability, board diversity, and results. So does that mean it pays off to listen to our gut? Right. (laughs) I think. Uh, Yes. I think so. I want to read a quote from the author of one of these studies. I found it to be pretty impactful. Said the study's author, Tara Van Bummel, in a statement. Empathic leaders understand that empathy is not just a nice-to-have or feel-good quality. It is an essential skill that is immensely valuable in the future of work. The ability to connect deeply and understand unique perspectives and experiences is a skill that is not automatable and helps people navigate the uncertainty and disruption to come. So the question is, If mothers tend to possess these now critical, always critical, leadership qualities, how do we advocate for everyone to lead like a mother? Mm, I love that. So for those who need some assistance showing more empathy, here are some tips we identified. And can I just sidebar to say, as you were reading that, Erica, and throughout this, it feels like you have possessed these qualities, Erica. It's like sometimes we do these episodes and we really want an expert on because we are not experts, but I feel like Erica is an expert in leading in this way, which makes it feel like so touching and emotional to to dive into this because I think you figured this out early on. 
that is really, really nice to say. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. I agree. It's a gift. And I, yes. And I also think you harnessed that gift too throughout your career at previous workplaces where they weren't showing you that empathy. So I think you could have gone two ways. You could have just stayed in line with how you were being treated or you could step out of line and you stepped out of line and you're like, no, I'm going to see how it is. Um, if I lead, <laughs> you know, and it worked, I would say. Thank you. I would say that I was someone who fell in line, like you were saying, Marla. And later in my career, I ended up going back to several people and apologizing for how I led because I think I was just leading out of fear. So it was even more apparent having gone through that myself and recognized the pattern that I didn't break and trying to, you know, clean up that mess, seeing it in working with you guys and working alongside you, Erica, is even that more powerful. I thought that. I'd say you did break the cycle because how many, how many women go back and apologize or how many women not even apologize, but go back to as they're learning to be leaders and recognizing that they felt like they needed to be someone else to succeed. And by doing that may not have treated other women or other people that they were working with in the way that they would have wanted to be treated. I don't think that there's many going back and being like, you know what, 10 years ago, I acted in a way that's not in alignment with who I am today. And I just want to say, I wish I could have done it differently. I didn't. And you were a great sport about it. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of an example of a leader going back. So that is, that's incredible. I think we should write something about that. (laughs) I think that's the greatest act of empathy, like that what you did. Also, I don't think there's anything wrong with falling in line too, or at least picking up those skills, because I think it is important in the workplace Sometimes you need to know when to throw down a little bit. Right. I think that's okay. Like, I think sometimes you need to be like, hey, wait a minute, this is not okay. I think I found it to be a great teacher in how I wanted to live. If I hadn't had those experiences, I don't think I would Mm -hmm. have known how I really wanted to live once I had kids. Mm -hmm. Because I definitely fell in line. I mean, I was taught from a very young age. Think about like when you were babysitting. I didn't walk into a house when they said, how much do you want to make? I was taught to say, pay me what you think I deserve. And that carried through to my you know, first job, second job. And I remember I was getting ready for a review and Joe was like, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Did you prepare for your review? Do you have what you need? How can I help you? Because this is, you know, sort of what he did. And I was like, well, yeah, I've got my goals. And he looked at it and he was like, pay me what you think I deserve. Guarantee that there are men you are running circles around right now, making Mm -hmm. significantly more. And he wasn't wrong. I discovered that. But it was very uncomfortable for me to go into the review with talking points on, look, in three years, I want to be making this. And to get there, this is the position I want. And, And it sort of shocked my boss at the time because he was fully expecting me to walk in and say, pay me what you think I deserve. And totally take advantage of that mentality. Mm-hmm. But I think I had to go through those learning experiences to now know how to lead, how to treat people, and recognize the path forward for me, what it shouldn't look like versus what it should. Yes. So for 
people who want to learn how to lead in this way, here are some tips that we identified. When engaging with colleagues, imagine how they're feeling from their unique perspective, which this feels comical to me since it comes, it feels like it comes naturally, but I guess all of this is showing that it may not be natural to everyone. Feel concern and or have similar emotions as your colleague or display them. Demonstrate active listening and a desire to understand more about your colleagues' feelings, experiences, or reactions. We know that technology can support stronger human connection, and that's a wonderful thing. So tech in the back, humans in the front. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And I think it's also really important to engage in the details because we forget the human experience. It evolves around people's specific stories. So don't overlook the important details that they want you to hear. Elevate your people's voices and stories as central to their experience. And then listen and act based on what you're hearing. And don't forget to create opportunities for choice and to personalize their experience. Lastly, I think it's really critical to operate as a partnership, not as a transaction. Lead with empathy and loyalty and say, hey, you know, how can we jump in to solve this together? Or I'm sorry this is happening to you right now. How might I be able to support? So I think it's always important to just ask how people want you to respond to whatever emotions they're going through. Yeah, like what do you need here is always a good <laughs> question. Yeah, yep. that's exactly right. When employers and managers open themselves up to be vulnerable with their people and are willing to shift their approach, they are free to make choices based on what feels right. To create safety physically or psychologically is to support the human experience. Yeah, we are incredibly optimistic for the future of work for mothers. From the start, we've set out to model what life can be like performing in the boardroom and at home and finding joy in all areas of life, that it doesn't need to be so hard or, or taxing. We can be intentional about crafting our experience and that we are worthy of that experience. So thank you all for listening. We can't wait to continue the conversation with you. Our DMs are open on social media at Working Mom Hour, and you can sign up for our newsletter by clicking the link in our Instagram bio. Please take a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts by scrolling to the bottom of the podcast page. It really helps us reach more people and continue to grow Working Mom Hour. And with that, we will see you next time. Thanks. Yeah.